It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome to Song Talk Radio. This is the show with songwriters talking to other songwriters about the craft of songwriting most of the time. We share tips, tools, and techniques, and together we all become better at writing songs. I'm your host, Neil Modi, and with me, my co-host, Phil Emery. How are you doing, Phil? I am doing very well. Finally got the uh, studio at the new house set up, and you can see the cables and guitars and so, and so on. So hopefully yeah. getting the uh, acoustic treatment down, so nice. getting, having some fun stuff finally. Yeah. Cool, cool, very cool. Yeah, it looks great, and uh, that's for for our listeners and our viewers on on YouTube channel. Check it out. You'll see Phil's uh, cables on the walls, and uh, apparently that's all you need to, be, <laughs> to, to make to make sure that it's a studio. Once <laughs> you got cables on the walls, you're good to go. Apparently, uh, and to the rest of you, please send in your comments and questions to at Song Talk Radio on Twitter, F- Facebook, or Instagram. Feedback at songtalk.ca for the email, and we'll share your thoughts on the show. And please visit songtalk.ca to see the show post for this episode, to find links to things we mentioned, and to download lyric and chord sheets um, for a song. Songs that we feature. Tonight, we're pleased to be continuing our series on helping our listeners with their home recording studios, whether you're just starting out or you've been doing it for a while. Our topic tonight, we're going to zero in on MIDI 2.0. If you've heard or watched our episode from July 2021, um, we did an episode called All About MIDI. Uh, you got There we got the, the lowdown on the basics of MIDI and the various things it can do for you in your home recording studio. Um, in that episode, we also mentioned the announcement of MIDI 2.0, which is the second version of MIDI, which is a full 37 years after MIDI 1.0, which still astounds me. Um, and uh, tonight we're happy to have with us Mike Kent. Mike Kent is the chairman of the MIDI 2.0 working group in the MIDI Association. Mike has consulted on audio and music to Yamaha, Apple, Roland, MuseScore, Shure, Artifon, analog devices, and NASA. Prior to working as an independent consultant, Mike worked at Roland for 32 years. He is a co-founder of AimNote, a new company that intends to release some of the first MIDI 2.0 products in 2023. Welcome to Song Talk Radio, Mike Kent. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me to talk. I, I mean, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, uh, uh, MIDI and MIDI 2. Awesome. Uh, so I'm glad to be here. But before we get into the MIDI 2.0 stuff, I'm curious, what does NASA use MIDI for? Oh, um, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting project that goes back uh, some ways. Uh, I actually, it wasn't so much MIDI, it was more audio. Okay. Uh, audio processing of voice. Uh, and they were actually, it was actually in the NASA Ames Research Center. Um, and they have a, um, a simulation center there. Somewhat like if you remember or have seen the old movie from the 80s, the War Games movie. It's kind of like that. It's it's a simulation center. And they needed for that, they needed voice processing to do voice disguising. Mm. Um, And I could could talk about that for quite a while, but I helped them develop (laughs) uh, an automation system, um, automated system for voice disguising in their simulations. Voice disguising? Yeah, the, the main point was that they didn't want to know who they were talking to. If they were talking to somebody that they knew within work and they're simulating something, they didn't oh, want to know, right. oh, I'm talking to Joe. That's the guy I hang out with for lunch every day. Right. Uh, so voice disguising technology okay. uh, so that their simulations were were uh, more realistic in that there'd be people talking to somebody they don't know. They don't know. Right. Okay. Right, yeah. right. Remain objective. 
Interesting story, but probably I, I could go on for that one for about an experience. <laughs> well, I'd have to have you back more, on the show to anyway. talk about that because <laughs> that would be really yeah. um, fascinating. So, so why don't you just give us a quick uh, run around? What's what's the um, what's the what's the deal with MIDI 2.0, and why did it take so long? Thirty-seven years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, there, there have been efforts along the way to do something yeah. new uh, called MIDI 2.0, uh, but fundamentally. MIDI 1.0 is stuck around this long because it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really, you know, uh, uh, music, even no, notation of music, uh, the notes on the page are kind of a, um, they're not actually music, right? They're a representation of music. Right. Okay. But music and the ideas of music have been around for centuries, right? And so uh, MIDI, like notation, is just a way to, describe music it's not the music itself right. and and it's it, it's very much like a representation like notation and so midi 1.0 did a pretty good job of saying well in music we have notes and we have rest between them there's a concept of tempo and so midi 1.0 was really good and um and uh, apart from that it didn't sit still for 37 years. We added an awful lot to it year mm-hmm. after year, expanding the specifications and adding new features and new capabilities. So it didn't sit still. Okay. But as long as we were still using the same data format, we determined in the MIDI Association, we're going to call it MIDI 1.0. And we mm-hmm. didn't change the name because all of those things sat and, 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 and connected to each other all in the same environment because the data format of MIDI 1.0 was consistent regardless of, you know, all the new additions we had. So that was MIDI 1.0. So when we get to MIDI 2.0, the reason it's a 2.0 is, that, is fundamentally there's, there's some big enough changes that it felt like it was warranted to call it 2.0. Mm. Um, but it's it's still the same architecture, the same semantics, the same architectural ideas and about how it works are still retained. So it's still MIDI. It's not something completely new. Mm-hmm. And some of the other efforts over the years that, that might have been maybe even superior to MIDI 1.0 never caught on because there was... They were too different, and there was wasn't a good connection between those ideas and the way MIDI worked, and so you you couldn't connect the, the the things, and so some of these other ideas just haven't gotten the traction. But MIDI 2.0, I think, gets traction because of its compatibility uh, to MIDI 1.0. It's backwards compatible, so yeah, it's backwards compatible, yes, right? right? Yeah, 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 and so. Um, you know, we've been working on this in the MIDI Association for many years, and, and uh, we're still not done yet, right? There's no MIDI 2.0 products really in the marketplace uh, mm-hmm. yet. Well, I shouldn't say that. There really are a few, but nobody knows that they're MIDI 2.0 product because they don't. there's nothing else to connect them to, <laughs> right? You know, so, so they're still fundamentally acting as MIDI 1.0 products, even if the, internally they're MIDI 2.0 ready. Right, because because like MIDI 2.0, like you have to have your hardware device, your software, your DAW, like it's got to be 2.0 across the board, doesn't it? Or or at least the features that that are that are new in 2.0, they have to be well, there. You, you'll be able to mix and match in a system with MIDI 1.0 devices and MIDI 2.0 system devices all come together to make right. one system. But for the MIDI 2 functionality to operate, yeah, something has to send something that is about MIDI 2.0 and something has to understand it at the other end. Yeah. And um, 
And so it's two devices talking to each other. If they both do something with MIDI 2.0, then MIDI 2.0 starts to act. If not, they just continue to, to use MIDI the way they always have. Mm -hmm. uh, but in fact, it's this bi-directional that is a foundational concept of MIDI 2.0. MIDI 1.0 was designed as a set of commands. One device tells another device some command, play a note, stop playing that note, um, were the basic commands of MIDI 1.0. And it really was a monologue. With MIDI 2.0, we try to establish a dialogue between products where they say, hey, what do you do? What do you, who are you? Uh, what kind of features do you have? And let's, let's make those things work together. And that's a, a foundational idea of MIDI 2.0 is this bi-directional uh, link between the devices. Because with MIDI, um, MIDI 1.0, uh, well, not 1.0, but MIDI 1, let's call it. Yeah. It's, uh, I was surprised to find out that it was actually, it's all serial. It's basically one bit of data followed by another bit of data all at once. Even though there's all those pins on the connector, it's still just one, one bit of data followed by another bit of data. And exactly. It's just, yeah. So when you've, and this, I have noticed this when I was, um, when I had a whole bunch of hardware stuff and doing lots of MIDI stuff and, and driving it from a from a DAW, is that after a while things would get kind of spongy because there was you know cramming all these channels onto this, um, yeah, you know basically through these cables probably too much. I didn't know at the time, but right, yeah, uh, yeah. So the you can send enough data that you actually start to to negatively impact timing because. They can't all go at once. You send one, then the next, then the next. You send too many of them, one, something is going to be delayed. If you try yeah. to send too many things all at the same time, right? Things end up getting slightly delayed. Um, remarkably, MIDI is still working after 37 years because yeah, it's not awesome. that big a problem. No. We've <laughs> never never has some, been for me. <laughs> and we, when we, when we found some ways around that, right? So MIDI on a five-pin DIN cable doesn't operate at the same speed as MIDI on a USB cable where we have a lot more bandwidth available to us. And oh. uh, it still re retains its serial nature in that I send one message followed by another and then followed by another. But on USB, because USB is faster, a controller keyboard could send several things all in, in one USB packet and they all arrive at the same time. They're still kept in order, but I can put a lot more data over USB. And today, mm. you know, a lot of MIDI is done over USB, right? The composers are sitting with a computer and a controller keyboard or, or uh, their instrument and the data is going over USB. And so you don't have the same kind of backlog uh, causing timing issues uh, in that okay. scenario. I remember back in the back back in the day, not back, no, not so far back in the day, but when USB first came around for for MIDI devices, my my first MIDI controller, it was flaky as hell. Like it would drop out, it would lose notes, it would drop out. It was it was not a very good, and I couldn't figure out what the problem was. Was it my computer? Was it the thing? And and it just, I I ended up using an old school MIDI cable into my into the MIDI ports on my audio interface. Perfect. Right. Right. You know, well, like, you know, the, you know. I, I was around, I, I started working on USB technology um, with Microsoft in 1996. And I was the, the um, uh, one of the contributors to and, and led the work on the first USB MIDI specification. So that was 1999 hmm. um, that that spec came out. And honestly, the USB systems, the, the, um, the drivers, um, the first, first OS was, uh, Microsoft's Windows ME, 
Um, mm. And yeah, USB was was really flaky for the first few years. There's no yeah, question I'm talking like it. 2003, 2002. Yeah, exactly. Around there. And, and uh, just guessing, I'm guessing that it was the drivers that probably came from that company right. that were problematic. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to name names of the company that you <laughs> uh, that you bought from, but it was probably the drivers. And USB yeah. is is really stable today, right? You In know, these days, I mean, my, you know, my, my my current controller doesn't even have a media yeah. for it. It's yeah. just, it's yeah. in the USB. Yeah. By the mid 2000s mid 2000s like 2005 and, and so on usb came really quite stable and 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 um and it's only gotten better since mike can you talk about uh, how midi 2 2.0 actually allows uh external hardware to interface with your daw in a really sort of deep way uh sure okay so we we have we have in some ways we have yet to find out exactly <laughs> what's going to happen because the, while the you know major DAW companies, um, many of them are members of the MIDI Association and ha have been watching the development or participating in the development of the MIDI 2.0 specs, we have yet to see their products come to market and see exactly what they do. And just like MIDI, um, the way one company does MIDI and the way another one does it can be different. And so we expect the same with MIDI 2.0. And so exactly what will happen is, is a little bit unclear. Um, but MIDI 2.0 establishes this, as, as I said earlier, this bi-directional connection. And so when you connect one device, like a controller keyboard to a DAW, they can query each other. So the DAW can ask of, of the controller keyboard, who are you? What, what brand, what model, and what features do you support? And what controllers do you have? You know, what what controllers do you send? Is it just a like a piano thing with maybe just a pitch bender and a mod wheel and and no other controllers, or do you have sixteen knobs and eight faders and and what are they called? And th this kind of exchange of information can go on so that the DAW can better configure the controller keyboard. And so that bidirectional communication uh, and and auto configuration is is a big part of MIDI two point I think. Uh, it's, it, to me, that's one half of MIDI 2.0 is just this integration or, or the, the ability for the devices to discover each other and try to adapt to each other so that the user has to, to do less configuration and has a, a richer experience. Right. Because like, like I have, I'm a big native instruments user for software, right? And sure. I do have a native instruments keyboard. And when I run right. the native instruments software, they talk to each other. They know exactly because because it knows because right. they, they're made by the same right. company. But exactly. what you're talking about is a universal across the right. board, across all brands and across yeah. all DAWs. Right? Yeah, the native instruments model is an, is a is a great one. It's uh, I'm glad you brought that example. Um, we want to be able to do that, but across brands, I want to be able mm -hmm. to have have a DAW from one company and have hardware from another company, but have it feel like that same integrated experience. Yeah, yeah, because with a lot of the Facebook groups and things I'm on about home recording, a lot of people, you, you see complaints about that. How do I can how do I configure my my knob so that it controls right. this and, right. this, and yeah, right. it's not working and it's yeah. not talking to each other yeah. and, and that sort of communication, right? Right, so, so that is the dream, but it's, it's probably a five year before we really see that happen, right? Because, mm -hmm. There's so much new and, and 
we have yet to discover which companies are going to prioritize which features of MIDI 2.0. So five years from now, 10 years from now, these things will, will start to feel like commonplace. But between mm -hmm. now and then, little pieces of MIDI 2.0 will start to be enabled and the things will just get slightly better and better. And some companies will do this and some pe people will do this in their product that they design. And, and slowly the whole environment comes together. But it's going to be a few years, just mm -hmm. as it was with MIDI 1.0. You know, MIDI 1.0 came out in 1983, but that didn't mean that it worked really well and you could do all that you could do in 1984 or 85 or 86. It took some years to kind of settle in where everybody was doing a lot of MIDI. Hmm. Got my first keyboard in 1987. <laughs> um, also, can you uh, talk about the higher resolution? Uh, which is sort of an interesting thing. Right. Well, I think the higher resolution I would put in, in the other half of MIDI 2.0. I, mean, I, I just said a moment ago that I think the auto configuration in this bi-directional dialogue is one half of MIDI 2.0. I think the other half is what I would say is um, increased musical expression. And so high resolution, I think, is part of that. Okay, and so in MIDI 1.0, many, many users are, are familiar with turning a knob on something and it has 128 steps from zero to 127. And sometimes you can hear the steps depending on what property you're changing, right? Sometimes you can hear the steps. Now, um, MIDI 1.0 wasn't limited to 128 steps. In fact, there's uh, ways to get much higher resolution in MIDI 1.0, but most products never implemented the 14-bit controllers. Uh, no. Most people, uh, a lot of users don't even know they exist, no. but they are there, but they've been rarely implemented. In MIDI 2.0, we have 32-bit values and, uh, for, for controllers. And so we go from this really what is, is fundamentally 128 steps up to 4 billion steps, right? Only okay, 4 so billion. More, more than we ever need, right? Most, most yeah. properties you're not going to want to use, you know, turn a knob and send uh, billions of messages to get from zero to, to, to 100%, right? You know, so, um, but the potential is there for that kind of resolution. And so uh, resolution of control goes up. Resolution of pitch is, is another one. Um, there's, there's a bunch of new pitch mechanisms. So you could play a note and just say, instead of saying, this is a middle C, you can say, well, this is a middle C, but I want it three cents sharp or two cents flat. And so there are pitch controls and there's a lot more availability of pitch, fun pitch functions. People who want to play with micro tuning or just intonation so that, so that you're not always using equal temperament, right? Those of us who, who compose from a keyboard, we're familiar with uh, equal temperament. I'm, myself, I'm a, my background is a trumpet player. I'm used to playing in a trumpet section where the trumpet players are are tuning themselves, uh, or vocals, great vocalists will do this, tune themselves so the chord is, is pure, not, not an equal temperament chord. So we have tools for pitch. The other, other area of increased resolution is timing. And we have uh, optional timestamps that can be put on, on uh, messages so that they retain their original timing. Um, and so even if you go over a transport, like the MIDI 1.0 transport, where things get smeared a little bit in time, each one can be marked with a time so that when they arrive at the other end, the receiver can put them back to the timing that they originally had. So even though things are serial and stacked up, you can say, I want all of these notes to sound at exactly the same time. I can have 100 notes 
all at the same time, and they actually have the same time assignment with these timestamps. So higher resolution time is also uh, possible with MIDI 2. What about uh, velocity? Is that really velocity goes from being uh, a seven bit value to 16 bit value. Yikes. So 16,000 steps. Right. Uh, and furthermore, uh, it's not just the increased resolution, but uh, for example, in the MIDI Association right now, we're working on a, what we call a profile for pianos. And we're discussing velocity and discussing how instruments can exchange their velocity curves with each other. And so if you've got a particular controller keyboard and a piano plug-in running and the piano plug-in uh, has a certain velocity curve and your piano doesn't really match it well, you know, many piano plug-ins have a, a, an ability to open up a window and, and change the curve. If you've got a, a high-end piano plug-in, you can do this. Mm. Well, uh, in MIDI 2.0, we want the piano to be able to tell the plug-in what the curve should be. Uh, and so we're working mm. on those kinds of interoperabilities to improve this interaction. So users have to do less of this kind of configuration. Um, and so I think that leads to greater musical expression too, um, greater capture of a musician's performance and greater reproduction of, of the musician's performance. I've also heard about this thing called MPE. What's, what's MPE? Well, MP, MPE is kind of, uh, in some ways, some of us consider it kind of like a MIDI 1.5. It's, it's on its way to MIDI 2.0 in that it, it adds expression um, by fundamentally using multiple MIDI channels. Each note that you play is assigned to a different MIDI channel so that you have expressive control over each note independently. MIDI 1.0, for example, if I'm playing chords on a keyboard and I want to open the filter, the filter is going to open on all of the notes. But with, a, with a, an MPE controller, maybe I slide my finger forward on one note and just the filter opens on only that one note. Oh. So you need a per note control mechanism uh, and MIDI 1.0 doesn't really provide that. Is that um, aftertouch? There is a poly aftertouch, which is the only one that is per note. So we have one of them. MPE um, assigns notes per channel so that a channel controller for channel four is really only affecting one note. And so it does that. It uh, gives you that per note control in MPE. Uh, it's, in some ways, it's a little bit of a hack on MIDI 1.0. But it works and, and is really expressive. And, and uh, there's a lot of musicians who are really enjoying that change or that, that newfound expression that MPE brings. And it's really cool. MIDI 2.0 does the same thing. And in fact, we're, we're currently, there is an MPE profile working group um, in the MIDI Association. We just released an improved MPE specification. And we're currently working on a profile, a MIDI 2 profile, for how MPE works within a MIDI 2 context. Oh, is, would it be improved somehow in MIDI 2.0 or um, same thing? Uh, the biggest changes in MIDI 2.0 uh, will probably be in discoverability. Currently, you, an MPE device, you buy an MPE controller, some kind of device like a Linstrument, and you buy a plug-in or, or a synthesizer and you connect them and the user turns on MPE in both of them and, and, um, and then they work together. Is that those uh, Roly... Roly is one of those, yes. Okay. And so you, you, you could get a Roly keyboard and then connect it to an MPE compatible, like Ableton uh, recently added MPE capabilities. So you connect it to Ableton and you turn on MPE. But all of that's user configuration. In the future, you just plug it in and the DAW says, oh, you're an MPE device. 
Right. And MIDI 2.0 will recognize that uh, through what we call the MPE profile. And so the device says, hey, I've, I can form the MPE profile. And we're working on profiles now for um, a, a lot of different instruments. And we'll, we'll see more of these come in the, in the next few years that define common ways that devices should work. So I mentioned the piano profile a minute ago and, and exchanging piano velocities. Um, we're working uh, and, and we're, we're getting close to finishing an orchestral articulation profile. Oh. Uh, for any of your um, listeners um, that work with uh, orchestral plugins, you, you probably are familiar with articulation switching. You say, well, I'm playing um, a bow up, now a bow down, now I want, I want the violin with, with tremolo. You know, and so you, you're changing articulations. And so we're writing a profile in, in, this, in the MIDI 2 working group um, for articu or orchestral articulation. Um, each plugin does orchestral articulation a different way. And mm -hmm. MIDI 2, we've defined a standard way of doing it. And so as the sound libraries start to adopt MIDI 2.0, I could put in a line with one plugin and say, well, what does it sound like with this other plugin? And the articulations will copy from one plugin to another. Whereas today that doesn't work because each one has its own articulation mechanism. Or you could also enter in a, a line for a violin with all of its articulations and say, I want to hear that with a clarinet and have the articulations be meaningful to the clarinet. So if you had it with vibrato, then you'll hear a clarinet with vibrato. If you had a pizzicato, then the clarinet will play a staccato note. And so we've written uh, a scheme for this kind of broader um, sharing of articulations across different sound libraries. And so these are some of the kinds of things that, that bring, I think, um, both easier setup to the user and allow them to do musically more than they, they did before. Um, and I think MIDI 2.0, those are the main points is, we want you to be able to do more, and it should be easier to do it. From my reading, it seems that sort of the big goal is to have a world where you just plug stuff in and it all just kind of works, and you don't even think about it. You don't have to map it. It just, you know, you plug your hardware synth into your interface or your computer, and then you go into, um, I use Cubase, you load up the instrument, and it would have all the presets uh, from that instrument already there, and right. yep. it, all, it already maps to your... Your, your, your keyboard controller. So you don't actually have to do anything. It just kind of works, you know? Right, exactly. Uh, that is the optimistic, idealistic goal of MIDI 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that's the kind of goal that I think you see in the five and 10 year plan. I think you see those things come together. You'll see the beginning of some of those things in, um, in 2023. You'll see, um, you know, DAWs, when you first plug in a device, um, that is a MIDI 2 compatible device, the DAW will just automatically get a list of the patches that are available to you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, probably not long after that, you'll see that when you plug in a controller keyboard um, and you're running a, um, a plugin for a, a B3 organ, that the, the drawbars configure themselves to be drawbars. And if it's got a display above it, it'll say 16 foot, eight foot, uh, five and two thirds and right. so on, right? All those, the, the, that will be there in the display. And then you change to an electric piano plug-in, and those faders will change to, here's the tremolo amount, here's the distortion amount. And all of that will happen automatically for you through MIDI 2 discoveries. And so um, 
Those are, I think, pretty idealistic goals, but they're realistic in the long term. It'll take us a while for those things to all really get to the point where you don't have to think about it. But it's a step-by-step from where we are today with MIDI 1.0 to that idealistic vision that's five years out, um, uh, where these kinds of things happen as more and more products in the marketplace start start to implement these features. Yeah, like 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 it is it's not as much a technical problem as it is a, a problem of of companies adopting these things. Is that, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. There's a yeah. lot of features in MIDI 2.0, and it's going to take a while for companies to adopt yeah. all of them, right? And so some of them will. Here's one of the problems is. One company will adopt this feature. Another one will adopt this. And you'll say, well, this is a MIDI 2 device. So is this. And you connect them and they still do it just MIDI 1.0 because they're not connecting on the MIDI 2 features because what this one chose to do and what this one chose to do were different feature sets. This one yeah. chose to do the patch exchange. And this one chose to do high-resolution controllers. That doesn't help you yet, right? So it's yeah. not until we start to see the products all kind of start to implement the same things that these these um, features come alive. Is this an expensive process for the manufacturers? Um, like one of the issues with the manufacturers, if they want to have a new feature, they have to look at it and say, okay, this is going to add yeah. another $200 to the base price that's not going to fly in the market. Are these components still really expensive for them? Or are these built off of fairly cheap ICs? Some of the components are going to be more expensive, depending on the things you want to do with your product. Um, there's a lot of MIDI 2.0 that you can do, particularly the auto configuration stuff that, that doesn't cost a lot in additional processing power, but mm. it is more. There's, there's no doubt about it. And um, I think you'll see that initially um, the products that implement MIDI 2.0 will be the more expensive ones because that's where there is the room and possibly where the processing power exists to, you know, in existing platforms to add some MIDI 2 functionality. Right. Well, um, if you're also talking about like high resolution controllers, like my, I, yeah, like my yeah. pitch bend wheel only outputs from 0 to 127, that's it. Like it doesn't. Actually, your pitch bend doesn't. Because pitch bend was already a fourteen bit control, but oh, okay. but the, the but mod wheel, mod, your mod wheel, prob probably, probably, yeah. yes, yeah, um, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, and MIDI one point as I said at the beginning of this, MIDI one point is really good, mm -hmm. and so there's you know, there's there's no reason that MIDI one point products won't continue to exist for the next five, 10, 20 years. Some devices will say, "All I really need to do is send some basic notes and and a, and a pitch bender." And that's all I need. And so that device can run MIDI 1.0 and it'll integrate with MIDI 2.0 systems and be just fine on its own. It doesn't necessarily need any of the enhancements that MIDI 2.0 does. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I wouldn't discourage anybody from buying a MIDI 1.0 product today because it'll work with future systems and it's not going away anytime soon at all. Is MIDI um, 2.0 still on the five pinned in? Uh, no. No, uh, at this time, we have no plans to run MIDI 2.0 messages on 5-pin DIN. Oh, okay. That is the, the new high-resolution messages. However, all of the auto configuration stuff can run on 5-pin DIN because it's, it's using a system exclusive that is the same on MIDI 1.0 or what we call the new universal MIDI packet. So MIDI 2.0 introduces a new data format. And the universal MIDI packet is a way to encapsulate data. And inside a universal MIDI packet, we could put a MIDI 1.0 message, 
or the extended high-resolution MEDI 2.0 uh, message inside there. And so um, we're not going to put the universal MIDI packet on 5-pin DIN, or at least there's no plan to do that now. It's not to say that somebody a year from now couldn't propose it and that's impossible to do it, but at this point, there's no plan. So, wait, so currently, that, Does that mean that people with older hardware, like you've got an old Roland Jupiter synth back there, like that only has 5-pin DIN, no USB, yeah. Yeah. is that... Is that potentially have some capability with MIDI 2.0 or it no? could, yes. If if the if the manufacturer wanted to update the firmware, mm -hmm. they could, for example, uh, update the firmware so that at least it does what we call a MIDI CI discovery. MIDI CI is MIDI capability inquiry, and it's kind of a core of MIDI 2.0. And it, and then this is this bi-directional exchange. So your DAW could say to the other device, who are you? Using this MIDI CI command, the device will come back and say, well, I'm, I'm this manufacturer, I'm this model, I'm running this version of software. And so if the manufacturer chooses to update the firmware, maybe, maybe that's enough features to add to add value to the user in that you didn't have to go to the, the, the DAW and tell it, well, I've got this controller keyboard and I want you to call it this. Um, and enter in things manually, it can auto-discover. Or maybe it's easy for, for a synthesizer company to uh, use the MIDI-CI um, capabilities to dump a, a list of its patches and their locations. Yeah. You know? And so it may not be able to take on the, you know, the, the velocity exchange that the new piano profile does, but mm -hmm. maybe there's some feature for that synthesizer that makes sense and is an easy upgrade to the existing firmware without having to bring out a brand new model. Right. So some devices will get new firmware that adds MIDI 2 features to existing products. Mm. Uh, we will see that in the, over the next couple of years. Um, I think there'll be some products that, that just add MIDI 2 to an existing platform. Other, other, other platforms are going to, you know, the next revision or the next model that comes along will have MIDI 2.0. Right, right. So can, can you talk a little bit about the, the products that your company is developing then for... Uh, my company, Aminote, um, is uh, is a brand new company. Uh, I co-founded with Michael um, Michael Lowe, uh, who is uh, the original founder of iConnectivity. Uh, some of your listeners might be familiar with iConnectivity products. Um, and Michael and I have known each other for about 15 years uh, since he started iConnectivity. Uh, we met then, and uh, because of my work in USB, and he was he's really doing some innovative things with USB when he started iConnectivity. And um, he's no longer with iConnectivity, um, but he and I have started this company, Ominote. And the first product that we have out is actually called the Protozoa. And the Protozoa is, uh, you know, Protozoa is one of those little tiny life forms, right? The simplest mm -hmm. form of life is a Protozoa. And the Protozoa is for us is the beginning of a product. Mm -hmm. um, but it's one that we're sharing with the industry. And protozoa is, actually I have one. I have a couple of them here. Oh. Show you one. But, uh, this is a Protozoa. Okay. You see that it's a bare circuit board with a display and some knobs on it and a couple of processors. And this is not a product the musicians are going to use. This is a product that product developers or manufacturers use. Mm -hmm. And so we're providing on here MIDI 2 functionality 
And we ship these to manufacturers. So MIDI Association members so far are the only ones able to get this. But we open this up to other developers probably towards the end of this year. But MIDI functionalities on here, including MIDI USB MIDI 2.0, uh, translators between MIDI 1 and MIDI 2, and, and a whole uh, MIDI CI functionality, this capability inquiry. A lot of that is in here. And we're going to be releasing this as open source. So currently, MIDI Association members can get this and use it to, to test MIDI 2.0. And so it is part of a core testing platform that the MIDI Association is using to prototype and test the specifications we're releasing. And so this is a, a core component, uh, along with something called the, the, the MIDI Workbench, which is a, a piece of software from Yamaha. Um, and, and it talks to this. And, and, and between the two of them, all of the MIDI 2.0 functions are being prototyped. But uh, manufacturers can take this and pull the source code from here. This is running on a Raspberry Pico. Um, and so it's a, a very friendly open platform. Mm. And so we have the, the source code and manufacturers can take this and put it into their own products. So this is the first product that we have, but our next products will not be for other manufacturers to use uh, and for this testing, but there'll be MIDI interfaces for musicians and, oh. um, and MIDI 2.0 and, and, uh, and eventually some audio products as well. Um, but that's the beginning of our company, Aminote, is, is MIDI 2.0. Um, we are leaders in that technology, and we've been participating in that. And so um, please buy some Aminote products when they come out <laughs> uh, in 2023. That's that is so cool. On that. that is so neat. And what, what about software? Like, what are, are there any, Is there any indication from DAW developers or or plugin developers to say, hey, right. we're, we're on board with this and we're next version is going to have. Some yeah, I, I, I can I can say that um, if, if I was to pick the top, say, eight DAW companies, uh, five or six of them are members of the MIDI Association. There's a couple that are not. Um, but uh, and I, I can't really speak on their behalf. Uh, there are some things that I know confidentia confidentially on what some of them are doing. Uh, uh, but I, I will say that Apple is the first OS with MIDI 2 functionality in the OS. Uh, so that uh, might give you some hint as to what Apple might do in Logic. Mm -hmm. um, uh, right. And uh, Google followed shortly thereafter with uh, MIDI 2.0 functionality. Well, about a year later, Google just, just now released MIDI 2 functionality in Android. Mm. And Microsoft has, has given some picture of what they want to do through a presentation given at the NAMM show now a couple of years ago. So Microsoft is coming along as well. Um, and those companies all participate, um, um, uh, very active participants in the MIDI Association. The DAW companies... Uh, I think the only one that's really said anything is uh, Steinberg. Uh, at the ADC conference in London, they showed a prototype of VST3 uh, running MIDI 2.0, where they were taking MIDI 2.0 per note controllers and converting them to per note expression, which mm. is the way VST3 does it. And so they they did not make any commitment there to say, this is what we're going to do. They just said, this is something we're playing with, and here's a demo. And that's, I think, the only public information from any of the DAW companies mm -hmm. is that one presentation. Um, but um, they're they're all aware. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> well, and as and the market I, grows, then people, you know, with the market demand grows, then they'll start... Responding yeah. to that market demand. Yeah, and maybe they need to wait for what the hardware is capable of before. They yeah, yeah. Well, most most companies don't like to announce what they're going no. to do until just before they do it. Yeah, that's very wise, uh, actually. 
you know, and um, uh, and 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 uh, so I think we'll see uh, in April at the at the next Nam show. Mm. April in 2023 is the 40th anniversary of, of MIDI. Oh, and wow. um, <laughs> I think you'll see some MIDI 2.0 products announced at the NAM show in April. And I think that that we in the industry kind of feel that that's actually the beginning. Uh, you know, uh, some people have complained if you go and look at the forums, like this is taking forever. And yes, it is taking forever, but it takes a long time to write these specs and then prototype them, make sure they work, mm. and then products start to come. And people forget sometimes that in 1983, when MIDI come, came out, uh, in 1984 and 1985, there was still only a handful of products. And it's going to be the same in 2023. There'll be a handful of products that come out in 2023 and more in 2024 and so on. Um, and even so before please, 1983, how, how long were people working on the spec? I mean, uh, well, um, it, it was... The spec was actually done in about a year and a half or two years. Okay. But it was a much simpler spec. Yeah. Okay. It was, it, I think it was nine pages long. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. The original spec. Okay. Uh, and it was, it was mostly an adaptation of the DCB control language, which this Jupiter 8 has. Uh. Okay. Before MIDI. The DCB control language kind of was the forerunner of the data format of MIDI 1.0, and then a, an interface uh, system proposed by Sequential Circuits, the five-pin DIN. Mm -hmm. And those things came together, and a bunch of other companies had some input to finally generate this spec that was nine pages long or, or something like that. And I think shortly after, it became a 22-page document mm -hmm. um, you know, by the time it was published and so on. But you know, today, the MIDI 2 specification is hundreds of pages long oh, yeah. uh, because it just does a whole lot more and, and technology is so much more grown up and there's, there's just a lot more to, to think about. And so everything we've done, we tried to, to do in context of today's technology, 32 bits is a standard processor these days, you know, some being 64 bits and so on. So it's a different world. So the specs are a lot more complex. Um, and, uh, and so it's taken us longer to get there. Yeah, yeah, but but people do want. I have to recognize that it does. It does take time, like you say. It takes time for manufacturers to get on board, for for the software developers to get on board. Yeah, and yeah. test and implement and right. <laughs> yeah, and this year we're very much in prototyping mode where we're testing these things. You know, when the first two drum machines shipped, mm. one was a Roland TR nine hundred nine with mm. MIDI, and one I can't remember the model number from Sequential Circuits. And when you connected the two of them, they are off in synchronization by one twenty-fourth of a quarter note oh. because one company fi figured that a quarter note didn't need a clock. You just need the clock. There's 24 clocks per quarter note. And, and one company said, well, when the quarter note is announced, you don't need to put a clock there. And the other one says, no, you put an announcement of the quarter note and a clock. And so every quarter note would drift by a 24th of a quarter note or something like that. And so <laughs> you throw, you know, over the course of, of, of 10 or 12 bars, they ran out of sync. You know, oh, you know, and that's the way MIDI 1.0 was to begin with. And those mm -hmm. two companies had to get back together and say, well, let's clarify that spec. Right. So we're trying to do that before we 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 get too many products <laughs> in the marketplace by building prototypes. Right, right, right. On. So that's where we are today. And and um, um, and uh, and so we appreciate people's patience with this thing coming and and, and us talking about it for a few years and <laughs> and it looking like it's going nowhere. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty deep spec, and you can do a lot with it. 
Yeah. So it's going to yeah. take a while. So it's a lot of capability. I mean, even even MIDI 1.0, I feel like a lot of, I don't know, a lot of people, but some people don't use it to its fullest extent. Like, you know, I only discovered sure. articulation switches and things several years ago, maybe, you know. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a thing before. And it's just like, you know, but with, with all that's coming into MIDI 2.0, there and depends on, you know, what you buy into and what the manufacturers buy into and, and, and all those sorts of things before. Yeah. Before it gets to the end user and then learn how to use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And make it work for you. So. Awesome. Well, I think um, that is about all the time we have on Sontalk Radio tonight. Special thank you to Mike Kent. Those are great insights about the uh, the future of MIDI and what we all have uh, coming down the pipe. We, un- we impact a lot of a lot of stuff in this episode. So thank you, Mike, for all. I appreciate uh, your time, info. Mike. How do we get more of you? Uh, you can find me uh, at mk2audio.com and ominote.com. mk2audio is my my. Um, um, my consulting site and aminote.com, A-M-E-N-O-T-E.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the thing that all of your listeners should do is go to midi.org and sign up for a free account there. Okay. And there's a discussion forum. You can ask questions about MIDI there. Midi.org is the place to start. There's a newsletter, I assume? Oh, there's a newsletter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you can decide whether you want to opt in or out of that. And of course. Of the course. discussion forum and all of that. Yeah. Oh, cool. But there's a lot of great news about MIDI 2.0 on MIDI.org. Great. And we will certainly place uh, links to all that stuff on our on our show post. Um, great. For sure. So the listeners can well, thanks, Neil and Phil. All right. Thanks Thank so you. much. Um, so we want to hear from you, our listeners. Send us your comments, questions on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Songtalk Radio, or send us an email, feedback at songtalk.ca. Uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel for live performance videos and full episodes um, with us in little boxes. Subscribe today to the Song Talk Radio podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter at songtalk.ca. You can find links to all the products, books, and web services we mentioned on the show on our resources page on the website. And wherever you are in the world, please join us online via Zoom at our next monthly Song Talk meetup. It's free to join on meetup.com and free to attend the meetup. Stop by songtalk.ca for the link. Bring a song and a lyric sheet and get constructive feedback from other songwriters. It's a great time. You can follow me at neilmodi.com. You can follow Phil at philemory.ca. And, uh, and, and Mike, are you on social media? Where can people follow you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can, if you search Mike Kent MIDI 2.0, you'll find me online. Perfect. <laughs> you should look, look, look for the MIDI Association. They're more important than me. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I say that I say that because I'm on I'm one of the managers there. So. <laughs> I'm on the technical standards. Well, you did good. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay. Be sure to stop by the website songtalk.ca to browse past shows and find out how you can be a guest. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and keep on writing and keep on midiing. Midiing, midiing. <laughs> good night, everyone. Bye.